Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Just because the readings were short, don't be fooled. Just wanted to lay that out there right away. Well, we're in our Lenten sermon series on the book of Psalms, and thus far we've covered Psalm 1, and last week Psalm 100. And this week we're going to tackle Psalm 121. And it was interesting, this this past week... uh, In my sermon, I mentioned Psalm 121 because I knew I'd be talking about it this week. But Johnny Hires came up to me Wednesday night at the Wednesday night dinner and class, and he said, hey, can I ask you some questions about Psalm 121? And I said, no. (laughs) He said, what? I said, no, because I'm talking about it Sunday. He said, oh, okay. Now, if you have any questions after today, then we'll talk, okay? But it's interesting because one of the things that If you read Psalm 1 and Psalm 100 and Psalm 121, you will see a couple of themes woven in them. But one in particular that I've mentioned the last two weeks that I want to at least touch on right now, and that is the fact that you get this idea that there are different ways, two different ways, options. Because we see that woven in Psalm 1. In fact, The title over Psalm 1 in the Pew Bible is The Two Ways. And last week we talked about following the way of the Lord and what joy that brings to your life as opposed to following the other way. And now this week you see this whole idea, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? Again, this whole notion and idea of options, of choices. Today, a a popular term for that is pluralism. That there's a lot of different ways to believe. A lot of different paths to follow. And see, if you listen to the cacophony of sounds that come out from the culture, it doesn't matter. And in fact, even when we have in Psalm 1, and right now, this particular psalm, this notion of two ways... There is one truth. There is one way. There is one God. And all the other ways, if you will, the options that are out there, amount to one other way. As Psalm 1 puts it, the way of the sinners, the wicked, the scoffers. And what you have is different layers of people who believe different ways or don't believe at all. The sinners are those who just depart in their belief because your belief will dictate how you live. And that's why the next one is the wicked because the wicked, they live it out. And then you've got the scoffers who actually want to ridicule true belief. So there's layers of those that believe other ways, believe other systems, if you will. And that belief will impact your life. Now, I've said this before in different contexts, but I just don't even get it when people say it doesn't matter what you believe. Because how can it be true 
How can it be true that what is said in, for example, Buddhism, or Islam, or even Judaism, and then you have in our tradition the Christian faith that is alluded to in the Old Testament and Jesus specifically talks about and is fleshed out in the New Testament that we believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one God. How can they all be true about who God is and what that means for our lives and therefore how we live it out, our beliefs in action? Not only is there pluralism in the world, there's pluralism within each of those different religions or faiths. There's different belief systems. Go back to Israel coming out after the Passover. They come out into the wilderness and almost automatically, immediately, Moses goes up the mountain to get God's revealed law and they create a golden calf. How quickly that can happen. That false belief creeps in. If you will, idolatry. And we see it over and over again. Different ways of believing even within the different religions. You know, right now there's a lot of talk, particularly since ISIS and Boko Haram have merged. I don't know if you've heard that, that they're now aligned, these two radical extremist Muslims group, Muslim groups. And what's interesting is we hear the word a lot with these kind of groups, the word jihad. Jihad, which is holy war. And then you've got the, the others, the more moderate Muslims, who talk about, well, you know, there's different interpretations. Then you've got the other Muslims who say, no, Islam is a religion of peace. And you, they're all over the place. But I wonder how many of you have heard of takfir. Do you know what takfir is? Takfir is jihadism taken to an extreme. Jihad is that if you don't believe the Islam faith, then you either convert or you die. Takfir says... If you believe the Islam faith and you don't join the jihad as we determine the jihad to be and to happen, then you're not a true Muslim and you'll die. And takfir is beginning to happen more and more as these groups are getting momentum in the world. Now how is that anything like Jesus who laid down his life? How is it anything like a Muslim who says that this is a peaceful religion and that we can all get along when they don't even see each other as true believers? See, when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's not following it up by saying, therefore, believe whatever you want, it doesn't matter. Because what you believe will impact how you live. And you see it played out through the world. And the question is, when we see this particular 
opportunity given. What's really being said in Psalm 121? It's saying there are options. You have the choice. Everybody's been given free choice. Even within Christianity, there's extreme differences in terms of how people understand the faith. You may or may not have been exposed to teaching in seminaries that talk about Jesus didn't really bodily rise from the dead and ordain clergy who believe the same. Because it's out there. The Bible isn't really the Word of God. It contains some nice thoughts and sayings, but it's really not the Word of God. Here's a good one for you. Unitarian Universalists. Do you know that some say you have to believe in God and some say, no, you don't? Okay, where's the Unitarian and where's the Universalism? That's what I'm talking about. But what you're going to find as we move closer to Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter is there's going to be a lot of discussion that you see on television programming that will talk about what Christianity is really all about. Or as you can watch on TV tonight if you want. Finding Jesus. I didn't know he was missing. Faith, fact, Frank Bone and I were talking about this last week, about how we watch these shows and we get so angry we turn them off. Or I want to yell at the TV. Because all these different theories about who Jesus is and why Jesus really came, and you can't really believe that Jesus rose again from the dead because that defies science, which is why when you have fact or faith, you're making a distinction. As if faith and miracles, eh, it doesn't really amount to much. Don't be fooled. Because that will undermine your confidence. That will undermine your faith. And it may cause you to compromise how you therefore live that faith out. It may cause you to, co to compromise whether you're going to share your faith with other people because they don't know the Lord. If you fool yourself into believing, it doesn't matter what you believe. Because it matters. It matters for your life right now. And it matters for your life for all eternity. And all those out there as well. So we come to this psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? See, there's the options. The person is questioning, where does my help come from? Is it rhetorical? Is it real? It doesn't matter. They're asking the question. For all of us to join in asking the question. You know, in a sense, 
you could spin this in a couple of different ways. Because what they're basically saying is, there's options. Do you ever watch TV, movies, and there's these clever one-liners? Do you ever do that? I love clever one-liners, by the way. I'm a one-liner kind of guy. (laughs) One of my golfing buddies just said, oh, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, one of the one-liners is we have options. You'll see that periodically. Someone approaching a situation, we have options. Or do you have a plan? Like this is Indiana Jones. Do you have a plan? No, I'm making it up as I go along, right? Or do you have a plan? And there's this action hero there, and he says, no, and they rush in. How many people really have a plan? Do you just make it up as you go along? Is that how we're to live our faith? See, because many people believe, yes, it's all about my own personal feelings. It's subjective. It's what I want to believe. And that is not what this psalm is saying. It's not what Jesus said. That we have a definitive choice to make. That God has a desire for our lives. He has a will. That He invites us to follow. To live in that relationship with Him and constantly grow in the knowledge and love of Him. That's His desire for our lives. And how we live it out to experience His blessing. No matter we no matter whether in circumstances we're experiencing challenges, that we're always blessed, we're always filled with His Spirit. We have that confidence and peace. That's what He wants for us. Yes, there are options. And this has been spun, this Psalm 121, depending upon which commentator you read, That option number one is this person is walking along and seeing the beauty and the majesty of the mountains. That this gives me an indication of what God's power and glory is all about. That He is the Creator, the Maker of heaven and earth, as it says. This is the God that we worship. But remember where there's mountains. There's also rocky crags where there's thieves and wild animals. That's what the person in the story of the Good Samaritan discovered when they were beaten. That's what David's referring to in Psalm 23 in the valley of the shadow of death. So maybe this person, as they're walking along and seeing the majesty, is also reminded of the dangers that exist. And that's why they say, from whence, from where, does my help come from? Because there are dangers. There's human dangers. There's natural dangers. We're going back to Psalm 23 and even the Lord's Prayer. There is evil. There are satanic dangers. Temptations, trials, threats from other people. And the psalmist, as they're walking along, says, From where does my help come from? 
Where's my source? Where's my strength? Where's my security and peace and confidence? And then as you look at the, at the middle section of this psalm, and I invite you to look at your bulletin momentarily, notice what happens next as this person is talking about the possibilities. And I want to throw in the other option is the idols. The idols that existed on the hills. So you have the human possibility. And you have the idols. And the idols, what they see when they look up there, is potentially not only the false teaching and the false morality that goes with following an idol, but also possibly human sacrifice and the evil that comes with that. And the psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then the promises, the blessings. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand so that the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. See, what's being said there is there's going to be challenges. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be natural threats to your lives. There's going to be human threats to your life. And yes, there's evil, but the Lord will keep your life. No matter what. When you rest in Him, when you trust in Him. It doesn't matter the circumstances or the challenges. Because He loves you. And He wants you to rest in Him. He wants you to have that confidence. And you know, the other thing about this is, when you really think about it, this guy isn't right at the moment being imminently threatened. He's not like the apostles out on the Galilean Sea with the wind and the storm raging. This guy is walking along, possibly after the temptations and trials, possibly before the temptations and trials. But that's not what he's immediately experiencing at this moment. He's reflecting as he's walking, as he's on a journey, possibly a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to go to the temple to worship. And he's just reflecting. As I lift up my eyes to the hills, whether it be just God's creation or whether it be the idols, from where does my help come from? And then with quiet confidence, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. See, this conviction... This conviction of who the Lord is and what the Lord wants for us doesn't have to come when we're on a high. It doesn't have to come when we're in the depth. It can come when we're just seeking, when we're just reflecting, when we're just meditating. Like during the Lenten season when we're all invited into those moments of quiet reflection, of meditation, to just say, where does what my help come from? Who does keep my life? Who is my security for this life and for all eternity? 
And how will that impact how I live out my faith? And how I serve others and how I reach out to others. Because how we understand this will impact how we live our lives. And you know, when you read this line, by the way, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. It's really kind of a reminder of an earlier scene in Israel's history with the great prophet Elijah. When he's taking on the prophets of the false god Baal at Mount Carmel. And there's hundreds of prophets who are there for Baal. And they're seeking Baal to answer their requests about this sacrifice. And Elijah's just kind of hanging out, waiting, calmly, prayerfully. And nothing happens for the prophets of Baal. They're desperate. They're seeking answers and they're not getting it. So Elijah, in the middle of this little scene, says, cry aloud. Surely he is a god. Either he is meditating or he has wandered away or he's on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Because Elijah knew their god wasn't going to show up. Because there really is no other God. And I wonder, do we know that? Can we say that with certainty? From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That Jesus is my way, my truth, my life. Because that's what we're being invited into. And then I love this line, you're going out and you're coming in. Don't you love that? What does that mean? Always. Aren't you always going out or coming in? I mean, you should have seen June Hayden this morning. Down by the bookstore gift shop. You know, June, that's what I was actually thinking of was my sermon when I was watching you. (laughs) You're going out and you're coming in from this time forth forevermore. What assurance! Wherever you go. For all eternity. That's the confidence that God wants us to have. Not questioning, not wondering, not floundering. Not knowing how we are to believe or how we are to act. But you're going out and you're coming in. Again, going back to Psalm 23. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the kind of confidence that the Lord wants for us. You know, otherwise, let me tell you, amidst these discussions that you will hear throughout the season of Lent as we move towards Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the discussions that you'll hear on TV, on radio, about 
Who is Jesus really? And did he really rise again from the dead? Let me read to you what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. We are of all people most to be pitied because we believed in a lie. I frankly don't believe I believed in a lie. Because I believe the witness of the apostles that said Jesus rose again from the dead. And I believe Jesus himself who said, I must go to the cross and in three days I will rise again. And I have the same confidence as this psalmist who says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that's the kind of confidence that he wants for us to know even amidst the the struggles and challenges of our lives, to know Paul lived challenges. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It is the Spirit in us, the Spirit that Jesus promised to send after He rose and ascended. And then He goes on to say, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. All things. We know. You know, Israel, as they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, right before they went into the promised land, Moses, before he departed from being their leader, gave them the final, the final blessing, if you will, if you follow the covenant, if you walk with the Lord. If you believe him only. And he says to the Israelites, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Always. And when Joshua took over from Moses, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Same promise. And then at the end of the book of Joshua. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose the gods of your ancestors. Serve in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's the commitment. That's the confidence. That's what the Lord wants for us. And to know that He's always there and always available. As Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you believe that?
Do you really believe that? Every Sunday, we say in the creed, I believe. We believe. Every Sunday, we say we believe in the Father, God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Sure sounds a lot like this song, the Maker of heaven and earth. We say every Sunday, we believe in Jesus, the Son of God, the one who came, born by the power of the Holy Spirit, suffered on a cross in our place for our sin, died, and then rose again to show that he has power over sin and death. And we say, we believe. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the one who has come to reveal this truth to us, to bring us life, to help us bear fruit, to help us to stay steadfast until we see him face to face. We say we believe. Do you believe that? Because you have to choose. You have to choose. Choose this day. Choose this day. And allow the Holy Spirit to permeate your heart and your mind and your life. Choose this day. Please bow with me in prayer. The apostles, amidst the Jews, amidst the Gentiles, Jesus asks the question, Who do people say that I am? And the response comes, Well, people say you're a prophet. People say you're a good man. But Jesus asks again, Who do you say that I am? And the response, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Lord God, I pray that in the midst of this day of seemingly pluralism to an extreme, Lord, that amidst the cacophony of invitations and voices, that we would choose you. That in Jesus, because of his cross and his resurrection, because of the Holy Spirit, that we know that our help comes from the true God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one that saves us and redeems us, the one that gives us life and the power to live according to your will. Lord, I pray this day that if there is anyone here who has not made that choice, that they would choose you this day as Savior, as Lord of their life. For those who are looking up and wondering and doubting, Lord, that they would have the confidence to say, my help comes from the Lord. And Jesus is my way and my truth and my life. Lord, you give us free will to choose. And I pray that all would choose to know you, to love you, 
and to serve you. In and through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.